Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. Hey, did I tell you I was uh, I was thinking about starting up a zine? Do you remember zines? From no the, one from the '90s. No one remembers zines from went, the '90s. Do you mean like from the '60s? No. Who did zines in the '90s? Punks. Oh, see, I was not a punk. Gutter punk kids, skater dudes, music scenesters. Gotcha. Granola tree hugging people. I don't know. Zines. So this is something I would see in a meme. If you were a '90s kid, you'll remember. Z, they anybody remember zines and slap bracelets and pogs? I don't know. Anyway, I went and bought a, a black and white laser printer and I got like one of those staplers that you can like staple something really long, like the middle of a book, so you can fold papers. And I'm doing it. More power to you. Zines, man. You know what it is? It's because I've been reading all these books from the like the late 80s and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, zines, cool. And I'm going to hack into the. Hungarian secret police. <laughs> oh. Are you going to post your zine there? or I'm also going to do an accompanying blog, but it's going to be like a radio show. So it's going to, you know, like me DJing with a bunch of songs and then like breaks. So it's between. not a blog. Because uh, you will not be typing things. It is a. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not a blog. A podcast. A podcast of a radio show. I haven't worked that part out yet. Really? But it's going to be an accompanying like thing. And it's going to have songs that were like inspired while I was putting the zine together. You know? Songs from the 90s? Uh, some. 80s. Songs current. You know, I've got I've got a range. <laughs> I have layers. This is episode 175. Hey, welcome to the Avenging Hour. Sorry. Uh, this is <laughs> episode 175. We're going to be talking about West Coast Avengers, number 36, from September of 1988, done by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram, and uh, they are invincible. This one is, uh, wait... What? What? It, the, the title is The Last Page. Shut up. It's the well, last on the cover it says Dr. Pym Must Die, which agreed. <laughs> <laughs> this one was called, uh, hold on, I know I know it's a flashback thing. Uh, there no, it is. That's the title of this one? That's the title. Oh, it does. I, You know what? I read that and I thought they meant that was the title of this last page of the book. <laughs> it's called Return of the Ant-Man, which is fabulous because he looks ridiculous in this stupid jumpsuit. And it was one of the, again, one of the titles of his early Tales to Astonish. <sighs> Splash page. Uh, there's the team. Um, they beat up some uh, commies and they're breaking out of prison, I guess. This all looks no, the same. They're breaking into prison. Uh, oh, right. Because remember, they just got back from Latveria. Yep. There's the problem. They just um, flew in from Latveria, and boy, are their arms tired. You know, I I meant to mention last episode that we've spent three or four issues now with them just inside concrete walls. They've Makes gone sense. from one prison to another, and it's kind of frustrating because it's hard to tell what's going on. Al Milgram said, hey, Steve, I don't have a lot of time for backgrounds. <laughs> Help me out here. Just draw a couple lines. Um... So yeah, like you said, they're they're breaking back into Bratislava prison because the Eastern Bloc computer network mentioned the name Maria Trovaya. Yeah, so they're still they're back to trying to find Hank Pym's former wife, apparently not dead, first wife. And they're all together sneaking around the corner, and Hawkeye's mad, and Mockingbird's mad, and Scarlet Witch and Vision are in the middle, going, "We're happily married," and there's Wasp flying around, going, "I'm divorced." And Wonder Man's like, hey, shh, we're almost to the spot where that ant heard Maria's name. I don't know why he would know that. I'm sorry, really annoyed at Hawkeye's uh, thought balloon as he's thinking about Mockingbird killing the Phantom Rider because he says, you let the Phantom Rider die. So even in that, first of all, in that word balloon, he's admitting she didn't kill him. She let him die. Then he says, you 
had all the provocation in the world, but so have we all had at one time or another. And I would like to say, Hawkeye, you have never been in the situation Mockingbird was in. You have never been kidnapped against your will and been made to love someone else and probably raped. You don't know never. that. Never. You don't know he, what he's been through. Maybe with Deathbird. But never <laughs> another time. And it's so frustrating. It is such a it is such a man thing. The only other Avenger who's had anything close to the provocation that Mockingbird has had is Carol Danvers in Avengers number 200 when Marcus made her love him. And then the other Avengers said, yeah, that's great. I think this will be fine if you go off to his realm with him. And what, what <laughs> It'll bad could work out. Yeah, nothing bad could happen. That's, she's the only other one that can say she knows where Mockingbird's coming from. Mm-hmm. Sorry. My, my rant is over. So they creep around this corner because apparently this prison is built out of curves. <laughs> and hey, there's Quicksilver with some dude who looks like he has boom boxes on his shoulders. That would be the voice. Now, the voice isn't that important. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about him a little bit. He is a Hank Pym villain, which I never realized before I read this issue because I had always seen him in Captain America. Oh, really? He comes from Tales to Astonish number 42 in April of 1963. His name is Jason Cragg. (laughs) He is a radio announcer whose mic was ionized by atoms from a nearby atomic lab. And it gave him the power to make anyone who heard him do what he said. Okay, let me pause you right there. Uh, can you explain why when he's telling this story, there's a panel where he looks like he's dressed like a Dickens character? <laughs> I can he's, he's a radio announcer. He's wearing a top hat and a, a, a vest and a, like a three-piece suit and what? I'm pretty sure it was probably drawn like that in the original comic because that seems like a very 60s thing to do. He's wearing a cravat. <laughs> So he was beaten by Ant-Man when Ant-Man covered his microphone with laryngitis germs. Sure. Which apparently gave him laryngitis for 20 years. So bad. What are laryngitis germs? I don't know. Also, once you get... Laryngitis is not not incurable. just from like an irritation? Like it's not a virus. You don't get laryngitis like I caught laryngitis. Like it happens to you. (laughs) Yeah. So, but he got to, he, he eventually was, <laughs> I gave him bunion germs and now he can't walk ever again. <laughs> he was found by Madame X who took him to Hungary where they did surgeries on him to give him his voice back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now he's got boom boxes around his head and can control anybody. Yep. And he is clearly controlling Quicksilver as well. Quicksilver uh, he, thinks he's in charge and the voice thinks he's in charge. Yeah. So he, they all could like, try to rush him and he's like, yeah, no, don't do that. And then he tries to tell, Quicksilver tries to tell his story, and he's like, I'll tell it. And Quicksilver's like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, you will. So the voice tells him this story, and then we get to their plan, <laughs> which is the voice is going to control all the Avengers. They're going to send them into this maze in the middle of this prison, and all the Avengers are going to try to kill Hank Pym. I don't know if you knew this, but the Bratislava prison uh, also holds, it's part of the of Hungary's superhuman research complex. Now, I looked it up on Wikipedia and couldn't, <laughs> oh, find, couldn't any find any that indication either? that that actually existed. It's weird. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Quicksilver wants the vision, I think the vision to die first, and Voice is like, yeah, shut up, sit down, kid, I'm in charge here. So everybody's going to try to kill Hank Pym. Yep. Which, on the surface, seems like it's not going to take that long. <laughs> oh, man, the deadliest hunt. So they give, they give he gives Hank Pym a, a short... Five-minute start. Yeah, and then the rest of the Avengers are off after him. Quick question. Yeah. Hank Pym is um, running up these steps and he pulls everything out that he has in his pockets out. 
and he's he's you know name name it off the inventory, and he starts doing stupid things with the things that he has. Um, my initial thought was. He's getting sent into this maze. This It's big. There's stairs and hallways and tunnels. And why can't Hank Pym just shrink himself down to a tiny, tiny size and hide in a crack somewhere? He can't change his own size anymore. That'll kill him. <sighs> okay. That was my question. Because yeah. I'm like, they could never catch him if he just went, whoop. <laughs> well, the wasp could. I don't but, She'd never find him. But it doesn't matter because he, yeah, he can't. That's why he changes everything else's size because he can't change his own. So, okay. So, so, so he's naming off all these things that he has and he doesn't use any of the useful ones. No, no. You, you would think if you have a scene where he's like, this is what I have, you would suspect that there's a reason for that scene. And what it means is that he will use every one of those things in turn uh-huh. throughout the course of the fight. And he, like you say, he doesn't. He, he uses a couple things. He but. uses the first four or five that he mentions. Yeah, and then never uses any of the others. Yep, 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 yep. So as the Avengers are splitting up to find Hank Pym, we first focus on Moon Knight. So some, like... M.C. Escher building that they're in? They're all splitting up in different directions, but they look like some of them are coming up and some of them are going sideways. And Is there Moon... Is, so, Moon Knight, is there no more Mark Spector? It seems like Conchu has just completely taken over this body. The Mark Spector is gone. Well, he actually says, thus I must pretend to participate so no one learns Conchu has replaced Mark Spector. So what is up with that? Where is Mark Spector? Right? Is he just repressed down there? Is he a god now floating around the cosmos? Do they switch places? Is he... I don't understand what's happening, and I don't understand why it's happening. I don't think it makes him more... It doesn't make Mark Spector a more... It doesn't make Moon Knight a more interesting character. It makes Mark Spector seem like a useless. Yeah. I'm so confused by this plot line. Well, yeah, the whole Conchu thing sucks. Um, I... (laughs) Hank Pym... Uh, has he's used these little these braces before? They look like tuning forks, these little Y-shaped things. And this is his idea. He's going to he's going to enlarge this brace, and he's going to hide up in it like he's up in a perch. Now, my question is, why didn't he make it big enough that it would go all the way up to the ceiling? First of all, and why didn't he try and like make it wider so he could hide in it better? Awesome. And and also Hawkeye finds him because he because when he enlarged the brace it gave off heat and Hawkeye was able to sense that heat. That is the weirdest thing when Hawkeye's like, what? I feel heat. Well, what does that mean? Why do you feel what do you feel heat from? What? And why does heat mean Dr. Pym? Are you like some sort of heat seeking archer? How do you know this? Heat didn't mean Pym. Heat meant that that brace was enlarged. But that it still doesn't it make doesn't any sense. Make, that makes even less sense. <laughs> But yeah, it's basically... And Pim's like, oh, I forgot that Hawkeye's an excellent tracker, just like in that book by that guy. (laughs) Sorry, that's Last of the Mohicans. And then he shoots... uh, Pim shoots Hawkeye with with the stun gun. He used his yellow jacket. Mm -hmm. But apparently it doesn't affect you if you're grounded. Yeah, Hawkeye Hawkeye shot a grounding arrow into the ground and was still holding onto the... Is it a taser? Is it electrical? I don't know. Would a taser not affect you if you're grounded? I don't know. (laughs) Science. Is it? I mean, it's a fun fight because, honestly, Pym and Hawkeye were the only two that could really go head-to-head without somebody getting killed. Although, not really, because Hawkeye eventually almost knocks Pym out and then starts strangling him to death and goes, oh, I can't do it. 
because my mind is so strong, I overcame that voice command. Well, and also because I could never kill. Only Here, Mockingbird does that. Here's the thing, though. Isn't Hawkeye like half deaf? Maybe he only heard part of the voice's command. Well, and also, <laughs> if you remember the graphic novel Emperor. Hank Pym must. That was it. That's all I heard. <laughs> if you remember the graphic novel Emperor Doom, Hawkeye was one of the ones that could that could ward off the Purple Man's, uh, well, Doom's suggestions. He was one of the ones that... I don't remember that. But that doesn't make sense. He Well, supposedly because of the concentration he needs as an archer, mm-hmm. he was able to... It was it was wasp. Yep. Actually, weirdly enough, of the four Avengers that were able to to ward off that programming, three of them are here right now: Wasp, Wonder Man, and Hawkeye. Hmm. Who was the fourth one? Captain America. Of course. Where's he at? <laughs> we could use him. So Pim uh, Pim knocks out Hawkeye after like a six page fight. Moving on. Then he knocks out the Vision and the Scarlet Witch much quicker. Okay, Hank Pym knocking out the Vision is ridiculous. Well, what he does is he knocks out the Scarlet Witch and then the Vision. And, well, first of all, he knocks her out with some kind of gas thing and then grows a giant camera and drops it on her. Yeah. And then the the Vision just basically is like, I can't fight Hank Pym. I must save my wife. Here's the problem. P- uh, so Vision rushes through this wall and grabs Pym and starts just giving him a bear hug. They were commanded to kill Hank Pym. Hank Pym running past that wall, the vision starts coming out. Vision could have just put his fist through Hank's head and and solidified himself, and Hank Pym's dead. Sure. In like two seconds, boom. Sure. This is rest of this comic, throwing it away. <laughs> You're just going to rip just, That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I get. I mean, it, you're right. And he, again, most of these people should be able to. All these people should be able to take out Hank Pym, but especially the Vision. And for for the Vision to you know to give up on this, I mean, he's being mind controlled, but he gives up on Pym to, to go rescue his wife. Witch. Yeah, and I'm like, well, but then that wasn't what you were told to do, right? And then Tigra almost gets Pym, but he runs away, and Moon Knight sends her in another direction because, yeah. again, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he's really conscious. So you can't mind control a god. Apparently not. Okay, that was a convenient out. Also, I don't understand how he gets away from Tigra in the first place. I yeah. Mean, Tigra may not be the most powerful Avenger, but against Hank Pym, she should be doing pretty well. And she didn't even announce herself. She just dropped out of the sky. Like, she should have just landed right on him. Yeah. But she landed next to him and starts talking for some reason. And she says, starting out as Ant-Man taught you a lot about dodging. <laughs> Did it? What? But you were so small, it was probably hard to hit you. So he's running down the opposite tunnel from Tigra and, you know, thinking to himself about tunnels because he was (laughs) Ant-Man. And Mockingbird grabs him. And then she talks about how... (laughs) She could kill him. She could kill you right now. Because, you know, I don't mind killing people. But first, I'm going to give you some time to beat me. And actually, I love what he does. Where he uses, yeah, it's kind of cool. She's she's got these these bracers on her wrist that her battle staff goes in, and he uses his powers to shrink them so they to contract. Crush her arm. Yeah, that contracts on her wrist and breaks her arm, which is nasty but brilliant. Yeah, and then she kind of like passes out from the shock, and he makes he makes a point that to make them bigger again so she doesn't lose her arm. And then he runs through another door and finds. His not dead wife. Look at that. She's lovely. Look at the size of her head. Yeah, she's sitting in a chair with a huge... Her brain is ginormous. Like like five times bigger than her body. Yes. And it's gross. And she's not dead. Nope. And he tries to talk to her. And apparently she has a computer screen where she does a lot of talking back to him. <laughs> First she tells her life story and how she married him as if he doesn't already know that part. 
I don't understand those first few panels. And then she starts talking to him. Like the first five panels, she's telling him what happened up to this point with her family. And then she says that she was, they, they were doing stuff on her. She was, her father, after she was captured in Hungary, they didn't kill her like they told Henry Pym, but they did tell her father, we have your daughter, you have to come work for us. And he said, well, I won't do that. And he shot himself. Better dead than red. And he shot himself. Yeah. So then they used the ray on her that they used to make the uh, beasts of Berlin. Yes. Randor! And it started making her head gigantic. And, and Hank Pym's like, oh yeah, sure. I studied that with MODOK when I was making Ultron. I had studied many giant headed people. And basically they're like, he's like, so, you know, she's like, I basically am their computer now. She created their Red Guardian and Titanium Man and all that. Is that what she's saying? That she was responsible for that? Yeah, my knowledge has gone into all the superheroes they've created since then. Crimson Dynamo, Titanium Man, Red Guardian. What knowledge did they need for Red Guardian? They put a red costume on a guy and gave him some stun discs. It's just Russian Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then she's like, um, you can kill me now. And Hank Pym's, no. But before he can decide what he wants to do, the Wasp shoots him in the back and the rest of the Avengers come in to kill him. They're all going to kill him. Wonder Man's got him. He's about ready to punch him in the face. But then Maria, his not dead wife, uses her super brain to free them all from the voice's control. Yep, she makes all the bad guys stop doing bad things. Yep, she takes the voice's powers away and Quicksilver's powers away. How does that work? A mental block? Mm. Professor X used to do it a lot in the early X-Men. Actually, Poe does in the current X-Men, too. He's oh. kind of a jerk. And then on that last panel of that page, he and makes that reference to go to the ants again. Ugh. Yeah, so Pim is basically like, look, guys, I'm leaving the West Coast Avengers because I have to try to help my wife. And... Then he kisses Jan, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, well, I guess we were never actually married. Yeah. Because <laughs> if your first wife wasn't dead, then what we did was a sin. <laughs> Oops. And then the Avengers. Uh, and and then, well, first Vision and Scarlet Witch are like, marriage is the best. <laughs> and Mockingbird's like, nope. Hawkeye and I are splitting up. So for the record... Pim's wife will never be cured. She eventually becomes Modam, the female Modoc. Modam. And also for the record, I I wondered a couple of times if this was why Steve Englehart did this plotline. If he wanted to nullify the Pim Janet wedding marriage, I should say, so that but why? What does it matter at this point? Uh, it wouldn't matter to me. But this way, neither of them are divorcees. I don't know. I think it's dumb. But I wasn't sure if that's why he did this. I don't know why you would do this. I mean, it gets Hank off the team, do but they, there's so many other ways to do that. Do they get an annulment officially from the church? Well, <laughs> and yeah, right? And they, they this will never really be mentioned again. She will quickly be forgotten. And everyone considers Hank and, and Jan to have been married and divorced. Sure. So if that was his plan, it didn't work. Oh, man. Why did I have to look at that banner at the bottom? Next issue, Mantis. Ugh. So Mark's remarks, this is interesting. It's a huge double column where he basically announces he's not going to be the editor of the West Coast Avengers anymore. Oh, really? Yep. He's turning it over to Howard Mackey. All right. That's all. It's it's really long and I don't want to read it. But that's, right. that's the gist of it. I mean, I know that he he mentions in the solo Avengers uh, at some point in time that he's it's basically the same thing that he's giving up. He, is this where he gets promoted to executive editor? 
Uh, he says that his duties as executive editor, he yeah, he doesn't have the time. Yeah, to- so Mark Greenwald's been promoted to basically being Tom DeFalco's number two guy. He doesn't. He's giving up almost all of his titles. Because you figure at this point in time, not only is he is he the number two guy at Marvel, but he's still writing Captain America. Yeah, and he's still editing like three books. But at this point in time, I think he was editing like six. Yeah, he says he can still catch the Marshall Marks columns in the regular Avengers title and solo Avengers. But yeah, he's taken. He took. He uh, got rid of Iron Man. He got rid of West Coast Avengers. I don't know what else he was doing at the time, but he does say that giving up West Coast Avengers is particularly painful since he's been with the project since he and Roger Stern. Uh, co-conceived the team back in 1984. Yeah, I'm sure Roger Stern would like to talk to you about how painful it was since he didn't get, write, get to write the book he wanted to write. Woo! All right, so any thoughts on this? On this stop? Well, I'm glad it's over. Yeah. And honestly, I'm glad Pim's gone. I know you like him, but... I really don't. Like, I have some... I of thought the- he was cooler when he had, like, that... Uh, that professor coat and the the fedora and his i believe you as you called a generic doctor who costume was so much better than yeah. what he's wearing now i agree with you 100 percent. and i like i mean i have some affection for him i think because his powers are interesting but he is such a problematic character and rereading him in these issues he is consistently an ass and everything every time he shows up everything is about him and Jan. It's always, oh, what I did in my past, and oh, everything was awful, and I was so, ah, uh, ooh, ah. Uh. The only part that was interesting at all is when he was kind of interested in Esperita, but that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Or when he was going to kill himself. That was interesting. <laughs> when he wrote out the 75 uh, goodbye notes. <laughs> I wonder if anybody kept those. Sold, they sold them on eBay. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us, our email is avenginghour at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and I suppose Facebook at Avenging Hour. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.